Greetings, Carl. I hope you're Hi, keeping Lynn. cool. And I am. We'll talk about assassins with our special guest, Colin Healy and Bradley Rolfe from Fly North Theatricals. Then we'll talk about Elvis at around minute 27. Around minute 31, Jerry and Marge go large. And then around minute 39, Father of the Bride, the 2022 version. And then around minute 49, the theater roundup. Today, we kind of have a theme. I was looking at the movies we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about one of Stephen Sondheim's great American plays, and it is the dark side of the American dream. But the other stuff we're going to talk about is about the good side of the American dream, I guess. But this one, have you ever seen Assassins? It is. It has been a while since I've seen Assassins, but I'm always in the mood to see it again. Well, I think it was ahead of its time. And now it really comes into uh, focus. And we are so thrilled that the folks I know are going to do it this July. It has been pushed back so many times. So we'll let Colin Healy and Bradley Rolfe tell us about this production. Hi, guys. Hi there. How you doing, Liv? So how many times did you actually have to postpone it? I think there was, there's two, and I think three kind of on our calendar, I think two officially, well, I think, yeah, and we, we pushed it to November, then April, then now. So, uh, yeah, we were originally going to be going up uh, on the 4th of July in 2020, um, you know, which if history had gone differently, we would have been talking about this uh, musical about all types of folks who've tried to or successfully assassinated U.S. presidents in the middle of probably one of the most contentious uh, election cycles in history, which would have been interesting to say the least. Yes. And And, uh, assassins have been in the news lately since John Hinckley can now be at home. Yeah, yeah, and and leave home. As Sir Sir Han Sirhan. He got out, right? He was supposed to be getting out. But I don't um, think he Kennedy, got, I know John Hinckley's out, but I'm not sure about Sir. Well, they might've reversed that, but uh, the, one of the Kennedy kids was it's, supporting that. It's really surreal in the, in the musical, uh, John Hinckley, the character of John Hinckley, you know, is it, one of his things is that he writes his own music and, and then he sings unworthy of your love. And our, 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 our John Hinckley, Jameson Hintz uh, plays guitar. So, you know, for a, a bit of the song, you know, he's just up there with his guitar singing a quote unquote, a song he wrote. And it's, it's really surreal to see. Uh, and, you know, if this had happened two years ago, this wouldn't have been true. So I guess this is a, a weird thing, but uh, that John Hinckley is out now selling out shows, I think in upstate New York for the songs he wrote. <laughs> and it's like, and, and they call, and Stephen Sondheim called that out in the musical, like, you know, 30, 31 years ago, 32 years ago now. Well, this script, so has this been one of your favorites for a long time? Because you're one of the first groups to do it. And I would assume that you have a really, you had a huge turnout for auditions because this is beloved in the theater community and rarely done. Absolutely. I think the last time it was done in St. Louis, as I'm aware of, is around 2015, 2016 ish, there was a, um, a company called November Theater Company. They did it at the Ivory. And I think New Line's done it several times many years uh, prior, but yet yeah, rarely happens. Uh, it's been a favorite of mine since I discovered it. It's one of those kind of hidden gems of Sondheim. 
Um, it wasn't until a friend of mine was actually, in fact, when November Theater was doing it, a friend was like, I'm going to audition for this. You should know about this musical. I'm like, what is this? And it's it's a wild ride for sure. And so it's always been on the radar. And as we started to decide that we're going to be uh, producing licensed works as well as original works in our theater company, this made the shortlist really fast. Um, and we kind of had a, a strong and interesting concept for staging it in a way that kind of digs a lot of the themes that exist up to the surface. Uh, so we got really, really excited about it. And you're right, um, an immense amount of talent. We had a wonderful cast in 2020. And then as the years went by, we came back around to we're doing it for real this time. And, uh, you know, life happens and some folks move out of town. Some people are, you know, having newborns, et cetera. So we had to recast about half the show just due to availability. And once again, not only did St. Louis show up, but a bunch of new faces, people we'd never seen showed up and knocked it out of the park and they're in the show. Uh, so I know, you know, St. Louis has a familiar uh, cast of faces in all the local kind of small professional theaters, but you're going to see some brand new faces that will likely hit the rotation pretty heavily in coming months and years. I have no doubt about it. That's very exciting. So Colin, how, what's your history with the show? Um, I, I don't have a super deep history with it, um, but I mean, I'm a, I am a Sondheim wonk. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, 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 you could call my, my studio uh, Sondheim themed uh, between coffee table books and pictures and a, and like a, uh, I have a, like a faux Catholic prayer candle with his face on it in my, <laughs> in my, in my studio. It's great. Um, the, but I mean, I, I had never really you know, assassin specific overtures and um, like passion, even though that one, the Tony, like I feel like our sometimes like dark horse musicals, maybe a little night music too. So I, I mean, like on the, I knew Unworthy of Your Love, I knew everybody's got the right that I hadn't really like dove into it. Um, you know, as I was like, this is a show about, show about assassins. Like I, I get it. And I was wrong. I didn't get it because it's, while it is a show about assassins, it is really this show about, um, and we're about to get real here. Like, it's really a show about how like the gun is like the center metaphor of the American experience. Um, however you feel about that, Assassins kind of hits all the points. And I, doing this show right now in this climate is I think just, you know, by accident on our part for sure. Uh, and unfortunately on the, on the larger part for sure, but like, is so relevant to the cultural experience at the moment because of how centered that particular weapon is. Um, and, and assassins very poetically and very succinctly in, in, a, in a 100 minute one act um, through the lens of these, of these assassins and through their particular motivations and whatever, you'll, you'll start to see that it's like, oh, you know, this is, you know, while while the the text and while the immediate thing you're seeing on stage is these assassins, and we're talking about assassins and presidents, we're really talking about uh, the motivations behind violence and how the gun is used to perpetrate that. And it is so, so, so relevant to, to our discourse right now. So how big is the cast? Because the cast can vary and with several people playing several parts. How big do you guys go? So we got a cast of 11. Part of what we've done with our staging conceit is we're building a little 
immersive box in which we're presenting the show. So if you look at some of our advertisements, we even have a separate Instagram account for PrezCon 2022. It's the presidential convention where everybody gets to be a president. So we're kind of playing off of some Comic-Con themes, some corporate convention things. Uh, so when you enter the theater building, you're entering the convention hall and you're going to get a lanyard and you are president, whatever your name is. And there's going to be some convention booths and you're going to get to, you know, meet, try and get into some secret societies or, you know, visit the merch table, all types of fun stuff there. Um, so within the concept, uh, each character, each actor who's playing one of the assassins in, it is the assassins panel at PrezCon is kind of how our framing device works. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a cast of players type ensemble thing. So really it is every single named assassin almost doubles everything. So typically it's often staged with an ensemble of three or five. That entire ensemble has been cut out and it's a lot of different hats, different jackets moving around. So this whole ensemble is presenting the entire story um, within this construct. Yeah, the, the show could, you know, there's all these named parts in the show from the different presidents to like, you know, uh, Mr. Blaine who like, you know, assists Garfield and all these, like all these little parts that you very well could cast if there's like, you know, high school productions that do assassins and stuff like that, um, which does happen. Um, they, they uh, you know, they cast each individual role as a different person. We've, I think, I think even, and, and going down to a pretty atypical double of we, uh, our actress Sarah Lanceberger doubles, uh, Sam Bick and Emma Goldman. And I don't think that's done very often. Um, but we've got it down to, I think, as small as you can possibly get it without yeah, I, the yeah, the only child in the show. <laughs> exactly. The, the only way you could get it smaller is, is an actor, one of the adult actors playing the child roles. But we have one of our Fly North students, uh, Layla Mason, playing the role of the child in there, uh, which is, you know, she's wonderful. And it also kind of goes along with our mission as a theater company and an educational side of things where we have one-on-one uh, -on -one voice dance and soon to be acting lessons under our umbrella to find ways to involve students in our production, specifically on the performance side, inside a professional setting, not just in children's theater. Aha, uh -huh. well, you're doing a great job there. That was one of the questions that I was gonna ask you about. Fly North has this educational component and I saw your production of The uh, Year with Frog and Toad and there were so many wonderful students involved and then the enthusiasm of the students was so great. Carl, they did this show for free. They do all these things to try to get people more involved in theater, more interested in theater. And uh, you all are based at the, in the Grand Center, correct? You're one of the Kranzberg Foundation offices? Yes, we're based in the, uh, we're based in the Hanson House. Um, in Heart of Grand Center, and we produce out of um, mainly the Dots Act, but we uh, but we're a Cranzburg resident, you know, so we we produce out of whichever space seems uh, <laughs> most appropriate at the time. <laughs> and where's Assassins going to be? It will be at the Dots Act as well. We're we're you know, and just a little taste. Those those of you who have seen shows at the Dots Act, I know people have mixed reviews on on that space. However, we we're utilizing a lot of. Um, projections and the, you know a lot of the show takes place in a in an online sort of landscape without giving too much away so we're, they have a huge uh like a rear projected like 4k screen in there um that if you've seen shows there before you might be aware of uh, but we're utilizing a lot of that in that space so we 
we like to think we're utilizing that space in it, in all its components uh, for the the cool stuff that the Kranzbergs have really tried to put in there. Right. Well, do you think since Sondheim died in November that there's renew in, renewed interest in his shows? For sure. Um, absolutely. We and, and this again, you know, like we were we were celebrating his his 90th in 2020, like during during the pandemic. And we had that whole like two and a half hour special that they put on via Zoom. And, you know, and now now it's a it's a different it's a different flavor to be putting on uh, a Sondheim show now after his death. Um, it certainly affected a lot of people in the community. If I can go off on a quick tangent, just to um, the day he died, you know, a lot of my students, you know, and a lot of my friends know how much of a, of a Sondheim fanboy I am. And that's not unique. But um, another thing that isn't unique that I found to be really profound was that I, I got these like, you know, 15, 20 texts that day as if it was my dad, as if it was like uh -huh. somebody that I knew personally saying like my condolences to you, you know, and being like, really wasn't like a joke. It was, they were really serious and, you know, going on TikTok and going on like, you know, various social media platforms where I'm in, where I'm like, you know, involved and see other theater makers and other, um, you know, composers and whatnot out there. I, I, I began to find out that that experience wasn't unique at all. And like that, that so many, so many, many, many people not only are like affected by Sondheim, but like saw him and, and, and had him as this like, you know, like patriarchal, you know, mentor idol figure that, you know, that none of these people even knew him personally, but like he affected their lives so much that now his death is, is really, you know, to your point, renewing and, and rekindling um, a lot of interest in, in his shows. I mean, Stray Dog's about to do a little night music and that's gonna be awesome. And it's gonna be really cool to see that show, uh, you know. Also again. rarely done. Right, and, and Broadway is, is picking back up doing all these new, um, like the Into the Woods revival and the Muni's about to do Sweeney Todd. I mean, like we're, we're really inundated with Sondheim shows right now. And it's like, we always are. And, and all these, all the shows I just mentioned, by the way, were, were planned before we knew he was dying or his right. death. And right. it's, it, that A goes to show how beloved he, he was and B uh, we're going to see our show included uh, how, how audiences are affected now, um, you know, that his legacy is, is set in stone and, and, you know, we're not, we're not seeing any, well, we might see one news, more, one more new Sondheim show, but you know, his, his, his legacy is, has been, has been told and, you know, here we are doing, doing his work and it's, it's, uh, I think that's going to be uh, how it's going to be for years to come. I think, you know, he's not going away anytime soon. Right. And the, uh, the company revival won the Tony. Mm -hmm. Yes. It and did. Uh, Patty Lupone was on Stephen Colbert. And I don't know if you saw that interview, but he asked her about Sondheim because he was such a major influence in her life. And she said he was one of the rare people that she would get so nervous performing for because she just wanted it to be so good. And she said, who is going to make me better? Yeah. And I thought that that's a, that's a common thing because he has such high standards and last December, right after he died, a West Side Story came out and there was so much about how involved he was with this young past and, and how much I encourage you. I know that your time is limited right now, but 
there's this whole series of documentaries about the making of West Side Story on YouTube and it's behind the scenes and it's fabulous. And the kids talk about Sondheim and it's just great to see that continue and that reverence. So the new one or the 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 new one. one. The new okay. one. Yeah. yeah. The, but I yeah, there's a whole series of them on YouTube. And I wish I could remember the uh who did them, but they're all professionally done. They they all take a theme. And they all go behind the scenes and give you things that you've never seen before. Yeah. So I think because Assassins is so intriguing, it starts with John Wilkes Booth. So who's your John Wilkes Booth? Uh, John Wilkes Booth is played by a guy named Jordan Wilk. Um, he's newer to the scene, um, and but he's what he's came through Lindenwood. Um, played some great roles like JD in Heather's over there. Um, we initially, uh, we knew him, we'd met him when we were casting Carolina Change, which has also been pushed, which we're planning on still producing next summer. Um, but he plays the father of Noah in that cast as well. Uh, but he came out and he's, I mean, he's got it, you know, uh, and you're going to be, you're going to be pleased anyone who shows up. <laughs> One thing that really struck me about about Jordan too, like we uh, with our with our assistant director Brian McKinley, we're having this discussion in the audition room. Um, Jordan's like 26, 27. Um, and typically in, in productions of Assassins, like John Wilkes Booth is this like, you know, foghorn leghorn-esque, older, you know, like you know, 40-year-old gentleman. I feel like that's like that's usually the cast of 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 this. Um, but John Wilkes Booth was like 27 <laughs> when he shot Lincoln. And I, I didn't know that I had never, I had never perceived John Wilkes Booth to be that young um, when he, when he, you know, did what he did. And, and yeah, I just thought that was an interesting thing. I was like, yeah, Jordan's like actually a really appropriate cast for John Wilkes Booth. Wow. So Brian McKinley is your assistant director. Brian is a fabulous actor uh he's been uh, very involved in the black rep and yeah. he won a st louis theater circle award this year so we, we introduced really him like that to the cast we were like and this is our assistant director st louis theater circle award winner <laughs> yeah no that was yeah that was for uh Ntozake shange's uh spell number seven which was one of the the last i saw the last showing of that before it got shut down for COVID, they, in fact, it was so popular and well-received, they extended the run, and then I saw it like that Wednesday, um, and then they didn't complete that extended weekend, so. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was insane, but yeah, no, well, that's really cool that you got it, and is Eileen doing your costumes? And she's the lead, and one of the leads. <laughs> Classic Eileen Engel style. Yeah, yeah well, I interviewed her before she left for your Gontonia. Carl, they did a musical in Hannibal in um, a month ago, and uh, some of it was going to be outside, but with the heat and the rain, they had to. But isn't that exciting? It was about, um, a, well, explain Forgotonia, and uh, I hope for, I'm... Yeah, no, you're good. Forgotonia, um, it's a historical fiction, but largely takes place in the real uh, world of the 1960s and 70s, where uh, these two guys, Neil Gam and Jack Horn, uh, led a farcical secessionist movement because the government promised a highway and then took it away. Um, like, led this secessionist movement through um, 
Western Illinois uh, out of this town called Fandon, which is right near Colchester, Illinois, which is where we said it. Um, and they, they were like, oh yeah, no, like then they took all these pictures and sent it to the paper. And it was like this cute thing for them. And then 17 counties took them seriously. <laughs> um, and, and that's, and that's, you know, that's the, the historical mooring of the musical. And there's a lot more to it, but like the, the point is that you go right across the river from Hannibal and you're there, you know, like it's, it's about as close as you can get without actually being in, you know, Macomb or, or anywhere like that, that, that is like the center of the action for, for that whole movement. And a lot of people, even in, in, in Western Illinois, don't, don't know about it anymore. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the old, the old, you know, guard is kind of dying off and they don't, we don't they, talk about that time in our history. We don't talk about Forgottonia. Yeah. Um, but it was, but, and producing it in Hannibal was, you know, special for the town because the themes of it obviously were geographically close to where the real history happened but also the story is a lot about you know family and small towns and you know the younger folks around that time having feeling like they don't have opportunities there and moving away and just kind of the plight of small towns in america is one of the themes in there as long as as alongside all the family dynamics that can go along with that um so it was special to produce it there aside with all the you know technical foibles and the weather and fighting that uh but we also we produced that up there in conjunction with bluff city theater uh prior to that though over the winter um of 2020 to 2021 we fly north produced it It was going to be on our calendar in january 2021 we wound up producing like a film staged version kind of like you know a hairspray live but without an audience um, and so that full musical in that version of it is available on our YouTube channel for Fly North Theatricals oh, nice. in its entirety, free to watch for forever. So if you want to see some musical theater, log on. With and original too. Yep, it 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 is. Uh, <laughs> um, it's essentially the same cast too. The the only the only difference being that uh, Dustin Petrillo, who played Jack Horn in that version. Um, had to step away, unfortunately, due to some some reasons, some health reasons that he has since recovered from. So, woo, yay, Dustin! Uh, but I, I had to step in for that role for for I'd say for better or for worse. But you know, we we all know which one it was. <laughs> well, um, I, but, oh, that's right, that's right. You did have to do that. That now, was so. Weird. I wrote, I wrote so much of that part about my own childhood trauma, and it was really weird to step into that <laughs> role. Like, oh, here was we it are. cathartic for you? No. <laughs> um it was i never want to do it again it was fun though it was really fun to, it was such a talented cast um uh around me uh and uh and it was it was it was it was really it was fun it was it was it was really great but uh the you can see the real cast on our on our youtube, <laughs> our YouTube channel well assassins is at the dot zach and it's normally going to be thursday through sunday but it opens up friday at the dot zach but you also have a special holiday show you do a Monday show. It's, what's special about your 4th of July show? Yeah, so first, quick correction. This coming Friday next week, the 1st of right, July. sorry. Uh, tomorrow is not opening tomorrow. Ooh, uh, scared me. No worries. Uh, so, yeah, we're opening July 1st, 7.30 p.m. curtain, but get there early for the full convention experience. Um, but, you know, we couldn't get away from the themes and the fact that we were supposed to open on the 4th of July uh or a couple years ago so we have a special fourth of july matinee it's at four on the fourth and a special ticket pricing of 17 dollars and 76 cents smart clever and yeah, it, so, it all ties in yeah and, and it's it's you know we not just you know four on 
four on the fourth is easy to remember, but we also feel like it's perfect timing. If you want to get the family together, get a quick lunch, come see the show, and then go watch fireworks and feel really weird about America. <laughs> the show's so one act. It's 100 minutes long. So, like, make it, you know, make a stop on your way down to the arch to see the fireworks. And uh, one of my friends who was a Sondheim worshiper said the John Hinckley song is one of Sondheim's best love songs. So. The world needs now more love songs, Lenny. <laughs> um, the, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it is, uh, Unworthy of Your Love is a, is a bop. It's so good. I mean, it is, it is definitely a love song. Uh, what that love is, is maybe a little warped, uh, but you know, they really, they really do love who they're talking about <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I love explaining to my students. I have a couple of students that, uh, that do that song, uh, you know, character either or in a in in their books and stuff and um they're like oh yeah i'm singing like the the girls will say oh i'm singing to a guy named charlie and the guys will sing oh i'm singing to a guy named jody i'm like oh no you're not i mean like the other character in the song is not jody or charlie like you're singing to charlie manson and jody foster <laughs> and they're like what <laughs> and that's one of the things that like immediately gets especially younger kids really interested in that show because it takes that song out of context from being just a normal love song where a guy named Charlie is singing to a girl named Jody to being like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> These people odd. are mentally ill. Yes. <laughs> it's genius. I love it. Oh, America. It couldn't be more timely, really. Timelier, using mm -hmm. wrong uh, language there. So I'm very excited about seeing this. I encourage anybody who cares about America to go see it and if you love musical theater, you got to go. Because it's on. Absolutely. So, Amen. Yes. So thank you so much. And what's your website that you can go get all your information about your, your educational component? You can go to flynorththeatricals.com. And uh, all, the, all the stuff is there. You can find out about our Theater for All initiative. You can also click events. And uh, through the ticket portal, just get right on over to the Metrotix and get your tickets to Assassins. That's just tickets for every date is still available. Theater Excellent. for all. Such a great concept. You guys do such great work. Thank you so much for coming today. And uh, anything else you'd like to tell us before you go on to your busy days? Support your local arts institutions and, and uh, come on out. Have a good time. Yep. Ditto to Thank that. You guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you guys. Thanks for being on. Of course. We'll see Thanks you soon. For Absolutely. All right, Lynn, do you have anything? I talked to Max the other day and he does not agree with what you have to say about Elvis. He loved it. He says it's his second favorite movie of the year. I gave it an A. I loved it. I what thought you, not you, know, you and JC were not enamored with it last week. No, if you read my review, you will okay. see how much I liked it. I agree with JC about a couple points, but Boss Lerman swung for the fences and Austin Butler hits it out of the park. All right. Well, then I stand corrected and I, I started to go. It's the me working with JC for so many years that made me take his side. And then Max is like, oh, no, you need to rethink this. So I, I am I am going to see it. Once I carve out three hours to see the Elvis movie. And, you know, Boz Lerman said this week uh, there is a four hour version of this movie 
So it breathes a little more. Would you be interested in seeing that, Lynn? I would. I wasn't bored at all. I was fascinated. Elvis lived such a incredible life that you can't really put it all into two hours. And then you have the Tom Hanks thing. I like Boz's style. I like what he did. I really like the focus on the black music. That's what I love. And I love the comeback special sequence. Just fabulous. With Elvis, you always got to have the downfall. But I think this restores the luster to who he was and what a big deal he was. Because in since his death at 42, 1977, we have gone so, it's, it's, Elvis has become this kitschy, Elvis impersonator thing, the, the, you know, Elvis impersonators marrying people in Vegas, the fat Elvis, the jumpsuit, all that stuff. It's become a caricature, but this boils it down to the nitty gritty. He was really a poor church going mama's boy who sang like no other. He had this incredible gift. And when he exploded on the world, people were like, it was a big bang. It was like, what? Well, I I am now going to uh, force myself to go see it. But you know what? I want to tell you, I have seen nothing this week. I caught up on television this week. I watched the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I caught up on Ms. Marvel and I watched nothing but television. I still haven't caught up on Stranger Things yet. I'm not finished with that yet, but I didn't see any of the four movies that come out this week. Lynn, what did you see? I saw most of them, not all. And I was trying very hard. I forgot about Rise on Disney Plus about the three brothers in the NBA from uh, Greek and African heritage. Two of them are world champions. Yes. Uh, Giannis played for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they won uh, two years ago. And yeah. And then the other, um, what is it with a K? Um, he, He was with the Lakers. Right. Yeah. Well, they're the only three brothers ever to make the NBA. Well, anyway, um, I plugged it in last night and there was a glitch in my uh, Disney debut. Oh, and so I have to go back and watch it again. But I totally forgot that it came. It starts streaming on Friday, the 24th. What I concentrated on is is things that uh, like I hadn't seen Jerry and Marge go large. That's on, on Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. The Beavis and, and Butthead the, movies out this weekend too on the Paramount Plus. I just saw that. I just saw that last night. So we're going to have to talk about Beavis and Butthead next week. And we're going to have to talk about Rise next week. So save those for okay. that. Well, okay. And then, yeah. Start, and let's then, start with Jerry and Marge. Uh, it is a delightful film. It's just, it's a pleasant diversion. This isn't going to be an award winner, but it's charming very small town feel to it like uh it's david frankel who did devil wears prada directed it but it's written by a guy who's written for arrested development and for my name is earl and he really nails small town america this is based on a true story jerry and marge selby jerry 
retires and he's played by Brian Cranston and Marge is played by Annette Benning. So we're talking A-list, very nuanced to these normal people. And in the movie, Jerry retires from the Kellogg's factory. He's a line manager. He is a math nerd. And yes, he I, sees- saw, I saw the 60 minutes piece that they did on these two. Okay. So you might so remember you-, you might remember this from a couple of years back. There was a 60 minutes story on this and they've now made it into a feature film. Right. And it's it is it's really fun. Uh, so he he sees this new lottery game at the uh, convenience store and he suddenly thinks there's something with this and he figures that he calculates it because they have this feature called roll down like if the jackpot wasn't won that money would filter down to the smaller prizes yes he figures it out he tries it and doubles his money and he's on to something so they uh they are he he fills in his wife he starts uh winning and then the state of Michigan. What, what happens is you have to buy a lot of tickets, but you win your money back plus more. So it's not like you uh, go in with $20. You have to buy hundreds of dollars of tickets, but you, the way it wins, it's a mathematical loophole and they Michigan closed it. (laughs) Right. And so they found out that a similar game was in Massachusetts. So they drove 10 hours uh, for this and bought thousands and thousands of dollars worth of lottery tickets, which took days. And Rain Wilson plays the convenience store manager where they first set up their shop. And then for them to keep printing the lottery tickets, they cut him in on it. They tell their neighbors, their friends, their family, they get this corporation GS investment strategies and they start buying for everybody. And what is the twist here, besides it being legal, that nobody got scammed, nobody went to jail, everything was investigated. They give back the money and revive their little town of Everett, Michigan, which is in the Northwest. So they're heroes. They're looked upon as these heroes and they were just ordinary high school sweethearts married a long time. Uh, In real life, they have six kids. In the movie, their kids are played by Jake McDormand and Anna Camp. Anna Camp from Pitch Perfect. Yes. And Jake McDormand, he's from a lot of movies and he was uh, Murphy Brown's son in that reboot. Ah. Yeah, anyway, so, but what's really funny is Larry Wilmore, remember him from the Comedy Central evening show? Yeah, after the, the Larry day, Wilmore show. Yeah, yeah. he plays- The, night, the Brian, Nightly Show. Right, he plays, I couldn't remember the name, but he plays Brian Cranston's accountant. And he's recently widowed. And Michael McKean and Anne Her- Herida, Herida uh, she's at the Munilet. They they're somehow related to them. I don't know if it's a brother or brother-in-law or whatever. And so they're all in on it. Oh, and and she played. She originated the role of uh, Christmas in on Avenue Q. Yes, Christmas. She was Christmas Eve. That's right. I forget that. Anyway, so yeah, so there's it's populated by all these 
people. And uh, Tracy Toms plays this Boston Globe investigative reporter that uh, they notice that this one guy is winning a lot. Uh, well, they get this. Yeah. There was a separate story where all these uh, MIT kids were doing the same thing. Right. So they find out that they have competition from this MIT group, but it's in the movie, it's Harvard. Oh. And this it's embodied by this snotty, selfish, condescending kid who's like, Jerry, did you come in on your tractor and talks down to the old people like he walks in and goes, oh, we thought it was going to be like an organized crime syndicate. And you guys are up, meaning the Pixar movie. Ah. So, but what happens too which is a nice little touch is in the movie script jerry and marge's relationship gets revived because they've been married almost 50 years and that's a little sweet thing so so jerry reconnects to his wife to his kids he finds that what he's good at helps him connect to the community because he was such a you know, math nerd, he wasn't necessary. He was like socially awkward. So they wind up winning almost $27 million. Uh, one of the reasons that the lottery didn't stop them is because they were putting so much cash into the lottery system. It was making the lottery system profits go through the roof. But then so, after, yeah. yeah, after the Boston Globe thing. So this is a delightful movie. It's an hour and 36 minutes. So, but it's just one of those, it's very Mayberry-like. You can imagine these these people as, as familiar sitcom characters, but it's based in part on the truth. And it's just one of and those. Uh, there, there's a Huffington Post report that also, uh, the, it, it's not based on the 60 Minutes report. It's based on the Huffington Post story. That's where it, that's where they get their sources and everything from that, even though it was well, I mean, the, as you said, the Boston Globe had it too and 60 Minutes had it, but it's based on the Huffington Post story, which is weird because, well, I, I guess, I guess they had to source something. <laughs> right. So it's based on an article. Right. Not a book, but yeah, it's just, I, I did see that uh, 60 minutes piece, which is cute because. Uh, oh yeah. They were all about the hometown. They're all about the Michigan town. Yeah. Yeah. And Jerry and Marge sitting on the porch and yes. And, and then now the town gets together for nickel and dime uh, poker nights and Marge right. makes chicken pot pie. But all it's, right. yeah. What else did you see, Lynn? I saw, uh, let's see here. I know you didn't oh. see the black phone because yeah, we didn't no. see it. No, I, I, I needed to be elsewhere. Okay. And so, yeah, but I haven't heard good things. That is Stephen King's son, Joe's story. And Ethan Hawke is a serial killer of children. So you weren't in the mood for that this week. And I totally understand. Oh yeah. No. Uh, I saw the Father of the Bride remake on HBO Max. Wait, the is it is it the remake or is it the remake of the remake? It, does it have more in common with Spencer Tracy or Steve Martin? It's totally different. Really, totally. Yes, it's the it number is. one movie in like Latin America because it, it it's Andy Garcia in the lead and it, it has a uh, Hispanic uh, tilt. Right. 
Yes, it's set in Miami and it's a sprawling uh, Cuban-American family. Andy Garcia plays a self-made architect, very proud to live in America, very happy to uh, come to America from Cuba. And he's ruled his family with an iron fist and Gloria Estefan, here's the twist, Gloria Estefan, his wife, wants a divorce. So that's Ooh. new. So when their daughter, who's area, who's uh, Adria Arjona from Morbius. Okay. She the, is the movie the I daughter. didn't see. She's the daughter, Sophie, who's going to get married to Adan, who's from Mexico. And so they're all, they're doing things about the Latin culture, but they're saying, we're not the same culture. Mexico is different than Cuba. So they're kind of like, as, as Chloe Feynman, who plays the wedding planner says, teachable moment. <laughs> because they're trying to culturally appropriate stuff. And she's making all these references. And Andy Garcia is like, what? this is nothing with our culture. So anyway, yeah, she plays this very flamboyant, very modern wedding planner which Martin Short played in the 91 and was so memorable, but this is, this is a whole different spin. Their daughter, Cora, wants to be a fashion designer, so she makes the dresses and everything, but she also has, a, she's also a lesbian, so that's me. So we have all this diversity in the cast. Diego Bonetta, who was Drew in the Rock of Ages movie, he plays the fiance, and he's a lawyer, and his father is everything Andy Garcia is not. His father is Pedro uh, Damien and he shows up and he's very flamboyant, very loud, very ostentatious. Turns out he's one of the wealthiest guys in Mexico. Huh. He owns the he owns one of the two breweries in Mexico. He owns a soccer team. He shows up with this big giant boat and Andy Garcia is like, what is he? A Bond villain? And so the dads get off on the wrong foot. Andy Garcia's having none of this pressure and uh, just the wedding planning and all that kind of stuff. And it's storm season in Miami. So they make it very Latin flavored. They make the characters, uh, there's more emphasis on music and on the family, the whole entire family. And the, oh, Gloria Estefan's mother is really funny she's like telling what, what somebody that when they filmed my Miami Vice Don Johnson and Michael Mann ate at her cafe every week <laughs> well I, I read an I read an article and an interview with Gloria Estefan she said this is the first time she's kissed another man in 37 years because she's been you know she she wasn't an actress really and she didn't never had to do a love scene yeah, so it's it's a little different, you know. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be this rave critical hit. It's, it's just, a it's a huge hit already, though. It is a it is a it is a massive hit for the Latin community. Well, right, but what I'm saying is, in terms of like critical reception, like oh my god, this father of the right, this is a very pleasant diversion. It's a nice story. It's a sweet story about family and connections. And while everybody goes through, you know, because 
as you know, wedding bridezillas have ramped up since the original father of the bride in 1950. Right. And then uh, Steve Martin and Martin Shorts in 1991. So, right. But yeah, no, I think it's interesting to have that setting and have it modern. And Andy Garcia has to learn to adapt to the generational changes and the kids, how they, how they do things. And he's got to learn how to accept change, which, you know, a lot of dads. So, so I don't know, it's got, it's got a little sweet message, but anyway, I thought it was perfectly fine. It's uh, directed by a guy named Greg Azarka. I just did my review last night and uh, he is Rocky as yes. And he is famous for the most successful television show in Mexican history. We are the nobles. Right. And he also did uh, club de Cuervos on Netflix, Netflix first Spanish show. And I just want to say that I'm glad that Isabella Merced is, I wanted her to do a second Dora movie, but she's going to be starring next in John uh green's turtles all the way down because they're making a movie of that but oh yeah she plays cora she plays the fashion she's the lesbian daughter yes and she was the voice of spirit untamed besides playing dora and the lost city of gold yeah so i wanted i wanted them to make a sequel to that but it seems that uh, she's moving on yeah, well, they they have up and coming stars because this Adria Arjona was was one of the high points of Morbius, and so I I thought I thought it was really nice, and I, I I liked her on Amazon's Good Omens too. Well, I was pleasantly surprised because I wasn't expecting much, but I just think it really I think it was a really smart redo reboot. And it's also uh, produced by Plan B, which means that's Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Gray, and Jennifer Aniston's company. So they they're getting they're doing well with Plan B. I think I think I'm happy from usually what they put out. Yeah, well, this is a Warner Brothers, and uh, so therefore it's on HBO know. Max. Yeah, so streaming because you know if people don't want to. There's still COVID going around. And so there's a couple movie options. And so next week we'll have to get the other ones. I have not seen the the musical that uh that Kino Lorber sent me. That oh Neptune Frost. Yes. Well, I I just want to know about Beavis and Butthead. Did you like it? Oh, I have I haven't watched it yet. I just oh, noticed. Okay. Yeah, because it just started last night. It just it started. started. It, it started today. I, I'm I'm going to I'm not going to get Paramount Plus because we've already had this argument. But there are so many things on Paramount Plus now that I want to see. But I just got caught up in all my Disney stuff yesterday. And Stranger Things, my daughter keeps saying Stranger Things, Stranger Things, Stranger Things. It's just that they're all 70 minutes long and I don't have time. I know. I saw that we got. Obi-Wan Kenobi 6 and that's in the, the file with the Disney but yes. I didn't even know about the Beavis about it and I'm a huge fan of Mike Judge and well, uh, it's a direct sequel to Beavis and Butthead do America this which... is when yes they uh they take a space shuttle and through and... a black hole they've been lost but now they they arrive back on earth in 2022 <laughs> 
Right. So yeah, it's a direct. So if you remember the end of their heroes from what they did with Beavis and Butthead to America, and then now their 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 success brings them into the future, which we will both talk about next week. Yes. Well, one of the things this weekend in St. Louis is all these theater experiences are wrapping up. Shakespeare in the Park is. I went on Sunday. I went on Father's Day. What did you think? It was. I liked the band on top. That was good. I I enjoyed the live music and the dancing and the drum line. And I I really enjoyed the music. And of course it was, it was well done. I thought. I thought it was exceptionally well done. What, what a lively cast. Yes, it was. Was, Yeah. The the turn of a phrase and some of the, their expressions were very non Shakespeare, which I really liked. Yeah, it was set in a different time, but it didn't it wasn't distracting, I thought. And then um, you and I are both going to the Muni tonight. For yes. Camelot, Lerner and Lowe's Camelot. My daughter thought, oh, is it Spamalot? No, it is not. But what's interesting about this, it's a revised book. Hmm. So uh, that will be interesting to see. What else is what else is going around this weekend? uh, Well, it's Pride Fest this weekend. It's it's Pride Fest this weekend. So the parade is on Sunday. The 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 festivities are on Saturday and Sunday, but the parade is on Sunday, which is I think that's to coincide with the Washington. I think a lot of the parades this year are going to be in conjunction with the one that they're doing in Washington, D.C. on Sunday. So ours is on Sunday as well. Uh, I also want to point out, getting back to Elvis, Elvis should be seen on a big screen. And I didn't realize Austin Butler had a youth career on Disney and Nickelodeon shows and the CW. I didn't know those things. I will send you the link because I bet your daughter watched a lot of them. I Carly and uh, he was on the Carrie Diaries as Carrie Bradshaw's first boyfriend. And he has guitar in that, but he's got blonde hair. So I guess in real life he has that. So they, they dyed it for uh, that. But, you know, because he's Elvis. And remember that Karate Kid is, this is the last weekend for Karate Kid before it goes to Broadway this weekend. It closes Monday. Right. And also I saw one of the most delightful, unexpected theater experiences. It's called Dear Jack, Dear Louise. And it's based on Ken Ludwig, the playwright who's responsible for Lend Me a Tenor, Crazy oh. for You, and Moon Over Buffalo. His parents were pen pals during World War II. And oh. hence, Dear Jack, Dear Louise. His dad was a doctor stationed at a military hospital in Oregon. And his mom was an aspiring chorus girl in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And as they did back in 1942, their dads knew each other and their dads thought it was a good idea that uh, they contact each other. So in very formal style, Jack Ludwig, more shy and reserved, wrote a letter to, to Louise Rabiner and she was the live wire. She's as a dancer actress. So she pushes him to tell more about himself and over the course of the war, 
they fall in love and it's just a wonderful show Aww. and it's it's yeah it's at it was written in 2019 it premiered december of 2019 in the before times so this, in the before times this adds so much about human connection and the power of the written word and it's so lyrical ken ludwig studied music at harvard with Lee, uh, uh, leonard bernstein Wow. So I didn't even know that when I was doing my research. So it just sings. This is just such a beautiful script. It's at the New Jewish Theater, which is at the JCCA in Creep Core. The shows are Thursday. There's two on Saturday. There's a 4 p.m. and an 8 p.m. and a 2 p.m. matinee. They do not perform on Friday because it's a religious day. It's the Sabbath. Right. It's the Sabbath. So therefore. That's why, but uh, Thursday night, 7.30, and I encourage anybody to see it. It's wonderful. Uh, Urinetown is at New Line Theater, and talk about Parisian. Uh, when it came out in 2000 and uh, the early 2000s, and a, a guy from Fairview Heights won Tony's for it, Mark Hallman. He's one of the writers, and Greg Cotis, they won three Tonys for this, and it's a satire on politics and Oh, a climate change, global warming, all this stuff. And now it's even it's even more urgent for climate change and sleazy politicians and government corruption. So it makes even more cautionary, tale, but it's done as a satire. And this cast is really funny. So there's been wonderful shows this weekend. And I'm trying to think what else that you don't want to miss. Well, A Normal Heart. Yes, A Normal Heart. Is at Stray Dog. And what an emotional pack. A lot of theater in town this weekend. And I know. I'm seeing seeing two of them. I, I was offered tickets to Karate Kid. I just, I have something every night because I'm leaving to go to Canada on Sunday. So. I will be gone. Oh, I'm sorry you, you get to, you have to miss it. My review was in the Webster Kirkwood Times. First time that they have printed a theater review ever. Excellent. So, glad that make that happen. And well, then, Lynn, uh, yeah. What else is going on? Because we got to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, we got to wrap. Carl, uh, how was your Star Wars night? Did you get your shirt? I got my shirt and I wore it the next day because everybody on the radio said we want to see it on camera. And it was very well. I, besides the game, it, it was a good Star Wars night. It was very crowded and a lot of nerds were there. And I'm glad to see that the nerds are all showing up. That's, that's awesome. Well, Taika Watiti was on Colbert last night. And I have to send the, the interview to you and Max because it was hilarious. He is directing the next Star Wars film. Yes, the next series of Star Wars film. And he says that he is not going to fall into the Skywalker trap. It's a big universe and we don't need to see all the Skywalkers all anymore. He was hilarious last night. He talks about Thor and filming in New Zealand. Does he talk about uh, uh, the show where he's Blackbeard, Our Flag Means Death? No. Oh, they because they, ju- they just renewed that, so which I am happy about. Well, that's wonderful. Well, if you uh, still are at home this weekend and, and you're not going out, Downton Abbey, A New Era is on Peacock of all things. Now, is it on Peacock 
paid or is it on Peacock regular with ads? I'm not sure. I'm and guessing Dr. it's on pre, pre, premium Peacock. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And because it just was in theaters and it might still be in theaters. And Doctor is. Strange is now on Disney Plus. And that's just on regular Disney Plus. That is not enhanced at all. You can just go to your Disney Plus and see it. But I watched so many things on Disney Plus. I finished up Kenobi, which I enjoyed. I started Ms. Marvel, which now I'm halfway through. And also I watched Harmonious Live, which had a whole bunch of Disney stars on it. And it was a very interesting take on Harmonious. That's the new show, the new water and fireworks show at Epcot which I don't know how long that's going to be on Disney plus because they did it live. Uh, I think Sunday or Monday or Monday or Tuesday. I, it, it was earlier this week and I'm glad it's there so I could watch it, even though I wasn't really watching it live. It was, it was, if you've ever seen, and if you're a fan of the Disney uh, nightly fireworks shows, this is something that you should see, even though your favorite, shows might have been retired this new one is very fun okay well that is good well you're going to be out uh you're going to be out and about as will i and uh the daytime emmys are friday night and the critics choice awards real tv awards i do not have any vote in that that's (laughs) because you don't care that's uh, available online to see. But yeah, we're coming into the really serious summer part. And uh, next week we'll be talking about what's ahead. Minions Minions is next week. I know we're starting into the animation. We're gonna have Glenn McCoy here on July 29th. And he was a storyboard artist on the Minions Mm -hmm. and on the pets, the super pets. Secret Life of Pets and also, uh, is he part of the DC Super Pets? Yeah. So that's Good. why he's coming on July 29th. Gotcha. All right, Lynn, where can we find you socially? I am on all the socials. I am poplifestl.com website, uh, our podcast. I'm in Webster Kirkwood Times, movie reviews and a theater review. And I am on KTRS every Thursday night after the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman. And oh, we're starting to get into the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase people, so. Nice. Well, you can find me on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday on 97.1 FM Talk. And you can hear me on the weekends on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on KMOX, either before or after the ball game on Sunday. And you can also find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram. Lynn, I hope you have a good week and I will see you when I return back from Canada. That's right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. And then also we got to give a shout out to Bree Maniscalco, the new executive director of Cinema St. Louis. I, for one, am very happy that they chose internal. Yes, she's They good. did not go outside for, to bring in another person. Bree's great. Bree is a great choice for this, and I like her very much. So, bye-bye. Stay safe, everybody. Keep cool. Bye. Bye.